What's up, Abundant Babe? I'm so glad you found your way here. You're in the right place for the highest of vibes, the silliest of laughs, and the best of the bunch. All things related to spiritual entrepreneurship and creating holistic success. This is your host, Viola Hug, a coach for women who desire to have it all, alignment, wealth, impact, and joy. Come find me at Viola Hug on Instagram, join my free Abundant Babes group on Facebook, or grab a copy of my best-selling book, You Are an Abundant Babe, on Amazon. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Abundant Babes podcast. This is your host, Viola Hug, and I'm so happy to be with you here today. Thank you for choosing this podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so grateful, and I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. So I am super, super excited to welcome Mala to the podcast. Hello. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you so much. Oh, so we're going to have a fun conversation. Like, um, we actually kind of like randomly came across each other, um, to do with podcasts on social media. And I really loved her kind of like vibe and take and the different things that she has to share. So when she shares her story, you're going to learn a little bit more about that, but just so you have a little bit of an idea of who she is, she coaches women to find their voice so that they can truly love their life, which holla, that's what we're all about here. (laughs) She's a life coach, a writer, a podcaster, a mom, and a spiritual soul seeker and just on a mission to help women prioritize self-care and self-acceptance, which is super cool. So on a more personal note, like tell us a little bit more about you. Like where are you based in the world? What, what kind of parts of your story feel like they're important to share with how you got to where you are? Um, yeah, sure. Thanks so much. So I live in a little town called Margaret River in Western Australia. So um, yeah, it's it's a really tiny little place on the, <laughs> by the beach. And um, I am originally my heritage is Sri Lankan. And so I was adopted when I was a baby. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of grew up as this brown girl into a brown woman that felt like I was kind of caught between two worlds. So um, my parents were Caucasian and I kind of felt like I didn't quite fit into either. So I had this real identity kind of struggle with um, Mm -hmm. like, like who I was and just um, not quite fitting in. And so I really, I guess I kind of felt like I had this underlying thing of feeling abandoned and not knowing why I was giving up, even though I knew the story. And then I, um, yeah, I I numbed my pain and pretended it wasn't there by partying a lot, you know, not mm-hmm. treating myself the way I deserve to be treated. Um, and then I, I just, I started to like delve into spirituality. I remember the, someone, I think I was in the, not the best place. I was actually living in San Diego at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was given this book, You Can Heal Your Life, and told yes. to read that. And that was my first, yeah, introduction to spirituality um, and the law of attraction my stepmom told me about. And I didn't know anything about that. And then kind of what was the secret and, you know, all those good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and started dabbling in that area. And then I... I started to get this white patch on my skin and um, 
at the time, I, I guess I was still partying a lot and stuff and I didn't know what it was. And I went to the doctor and he, he tested me and I, it ended up, I found out I had Hashimoto's and I had vitiligo. Mm-hmm. Um, my skin, which if, if people don't know what that is, it's what Michael Jackson had. So you lose the pigmentation in your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of freaked out because I didn't know what it meant, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, I'd always, the thing is, I'd always wanted to be white growing up because I thought I'd be more accepted. And so it kind of felt like I had manifested it. And I still do believe that. I feel like I really, I've wanted something so badly. And mm-hmm. I believe your emotional state really affects what can happen physically. And um, oh, yeah. you know, then it ended up happening. You know, and this like desire that I'd had my whole life became like my worst nightmare, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I actually got sober twice. I got sober once, like at that time after reading Gabby Bernstein's book Spirit Junkie and um, mm-hmm. A Course in Miracles, re- reading them together, kind of thing. And that I got sober, and I was sober for nearly a year. And then slowly, alcohol like crept back into my life. Um, and yeah, it, that was about hmm, two thousand and thirteen or something I think um and then I met my partner and we I had a baby um and I had got really bad postnatal depression Mm -hmm. um and I I healed that with like self-care myself I didn't have medication or anything I just I was not in a good place but I really like went really focused on it really prioritized it because I knew if I wanted to be around for my son I had to do something yeah um and then after that I got sober again um and I've yeah been sober for three years I think now Mm -hmm. three or four I can't no three um um in August and yeah it just it was a game changer for me so yeah that's my story kind of Mm -hmm. And and in in a nutshell, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh my God. That's so interesting. So there's like so many layers to like that's that are so interesting within your story. And I feel like it makes it so obvious, like why you do the work that you do with like helping people like love themselves and be who they are, because there's like everything layered in your story has to do with that, which is really cool. Mm. Um, so I'm just really curious, actually, just on that last point that you made, how you, you, you know, you originally went sober, but then you went sober again recently. What was the like reason that you decided to go sober? Was it like, did you feel that you had a problem or was it kind of more just like a decision to, to go sober? Yeah, it's so interesting you ask that because I have thought about this quite a lot. And um, both times I gave up drinking it wasn't a problem, but yeah. there have been, t- there were been times when it was. So mm-hmm. there were times when I was drinking a lot and it like a lot, it was ridiculous. And I had to drink every, I wasn't drinking in, in the morning as such, but I was drinking a lot. But yeah. at the first time I went sober, I had about uh, a few months before probably sort of started just drinking like spritzes. So I was like watering down any mm-hmm. wine I would have with sparkling water and, um, I'd cut down a lot. And by the time I actually got sober, I was having like a soda water with a teaspoon, literally getting a teaspoon and like flipping into my cup of wine. I was like, what is the point of this? Mm-hmm. So because I was barely drinking. And then the second time I, I'd been to um, 
I come, I, we were living over east at the time and I'd flown back for my friend's wedding mm-hmm. and I, um, I, I got really drunk at the wedding, but it wasn't a bad, it's, nothing bad happened that night. I had a really mm. fun night. It was, it was really awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I hung out with my friend um, at her house and we were just drinking spritzes and watching the OC. And then we both sort of dared each other to get sober for a week. But, um, and I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Cause I'd been, I was processing it, thinking about it, how like, I didn't need to be drunk at that wedding. I could have had just as good a time if I'd been sober. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just let it go. I just decided. And then I just knew, like, as soon as I decided that and made the, the choice to give it up, I knew that that was it. I was done. Mm, yeah, that's so interesting because I am also sober for, um, like, over four years now. And, I mean, I mean, some people know, I don't know, like if you're listening right now and you, it's a new fact, you know, about me, there you go. (laughs) I'm (laughs) sober. Um, but for me as well, it was like, I, I resonate with what you said. Like I've definitely had times where alcohol has been a a problem in my life. And I know when I was younger, it was one of the ways that I self-abused is through substance and, you know, Mm -hmm. abuse and that kind of stuff, because it was when I was, (laughs) you know, really not dealing with things in my life. That's one of the ways that I avoided it. Um, But then as well, it got to a point for me where it was kind of like, I mean, it was probably a few things, but it was kind of like, I don't really see the point. And I really wanted to experience as well, what is it like actually truly giving yourself permission to have fun without needing alcohol or something Mm. else, you know? And that was part of it. And another part of it was I, I was really wanting to honor my health because I, like, I know straight up from like my nutrition degree no matter how many times people try to tell you there's antioxidants in wine, alcohol is a straight up poison. <laughs> like, yes, our body, I truly believe that. Yeah, our body processes it as a poison. It is not fun for the body. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, the, the benefits definitely do not outweigh the, the cons of it. So I kind of was wanting to honor my health. There was all of these things. And I, I didn't actually give up alcohol or, um, you know, I didn't step into that with the intention that it would be forever. I actually had the intention that I wanted to do it for a year. Um, and then only like a few months into that year, I just was like, what is the point? You know, and I've since then I've had zero desire ever to go back. Um, mm. You know, sometimes when you're like sitting watching the sunset at a beach somewhere, you're like, oh, I'd want to drink. But then now the good thing is, is that everywhere sells like alcohol free beers and alcohol free mm-hmm. wine and mocktails. So I just order those now. <laughs> yeah just as satisfying yeah totally you know I've I've I have replaced alcohol and um but I just have sparkling water now I'm I'm so addicted to sparkling water um sometimes I put strawberries in or something Mm and it's like a treat but yeah, yeah, and we, we still buy like champagne flutes and all that stuff, but I just literally have like, yeah, like you said, sparkling water or juices or whatever the heck I want mm-hmm. in them. And it feels just like the feeling that I used to get when I just have like one glass of bubbly or something like that, or I'd pour myself a glass of wine and drink it in the tub. Like the feeling I used to get from that, I still get the same feeling. It's just now it's non-alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, totally. I totally agree. I'm on the same. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. That's really cool. I love hearing that perspective. And um in terms of the like work that you've done, do you think that it's like played a role in like your part of your journey with the work that you do? Or do you feel like it's kind of just like one of those pillars of your story of you kind of just really making decisions for yourself or how do you think that plays? Um, in? I think it's a, 
crucial part of my my work and stuff definitely yeah. um because you know like like i said before i wasn't exactly abusing it and stuff when i gave up and when i got sober but i definitely would i i think i was still it was still affecting me and i was still not not motivated to do stuff in the same way i am now and what was really interesting and I, I, and I, it, it wasn't the reason that I was easily giving it up the second time, but part of the catalyst, I guess, was my body started rejecting alcohol. Like I, I would have hangovers um, like most people, but by the time I quit, I would have one or two glasses of wine. I would be lying on the floor vomiting all day. Wow. It was it was it was really i was getting shaken up told not to do it but my productivity has completely changed um mm-hmm. and yeah so i would say it definitely has affected a lot of things you know mm-hmm. like i'm a real morning person and i guess if i was having a drink and even when i was having one drink it would mean i'd be not able to do anything the next day mm-hmm. um and you know i'm a mom as well so you you've got to be on your game when you have a little one running around so yeah, there's a there's a real mix of things I think for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I feel like that as well. Like, it it's one of those things that it's like once I didn't um, do it anymore, I didn't know what the big deal about it was anymore. You know, but at the time, I you know when I did drink, I was just like, "What's the harm in one glass?" And I mean, it's fine. Like, if people want to, that's totally fine. That was just my mm. personal decision and my feeling and my intuition. Um, but yeah. it's just interesting talking to someone else who's kind of had a similar um, story with that. Yeah, and and you know, um, it's it was. For, I don't know if it was for you, but it was really easy for me to actually, when I made the choice, Mm -hmm. that was it. It was so easy. And I've had a lot of people say to me, wow, Molly, you have so much willpower. And I said, I don't have any willpower. I honestly do not have willpower. It's not a part of me. I am a cave for things when I don't want to do it. But when I want to, it's it's a choice. And it was one of the easiest things I've ever let go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That was what it was like for me too. But I think that's true with anything in life. Like with, um, you, you know, Tony, Tony Robbins says that like a decision only takes a moment. People think that change takes a long time because it's actually the buildup to the change that takes a long time. Mm, like yeah. the point that it takes to make the decision. But once you make a decision, it's like instant. Right. And I know that's for me with my business as well. I have so many examples of times, like even when I first started my business, it was like the minute that I decided like, this is it. I'm now in business. I'm now a coach. This is now what I do is the minute that everything shifted. But in all of the lead up in like times when I've been like, oh, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to see how it is. Then it's like, um, that's when it was hard, you know, (laughs) but the minute the decision was actually made, it was like, you don't, yeah, you're right. You don't need willpower. It's just like, it's just a fact now. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know Jim Forden, but he talks really eloquently about this on um, his podcast. He goes into it and he talks about how it's like the reptilian brain and Mm -hmm. um, that you just, as soon as you decide that it's in your past, then it will stay there. And it's just changing that habit and that, um, yeah, those thoughts and kind of 
I guess almost tricking your brain. Um, he, he explains it a lot better than me, but yeah, yeah. it's it really, really, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to me. Oh yeah, totally. So in terms of running a business, um, how did you actually start running your business? Like, was it that you, you were always like entrepreneurial or is it that you kind of went through these challenges and realized you wanted to help other people or how did you end up on this path of running your business? Um, well, I always, I guess there was always a part of me that wanted to do more than what I was doing. And I was kind of, I had a lot of self-doubt for a really long time and I was just working in jobs that weren't fulfilling and that were because I didn't have the confidence in myself. And then along my spiritual journey, I decided I wanted to hire a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to work um, with someone from Jack Canfield's company, like one mm-hmm. of his coaches. And at the time, I guess I wasn't in the position to hire, like invest in myself. I, it was really new to me. So I didn't really have the same mindset and thoughts about investing in yourself and that kind of thing and I managed I talked to my spoke to my dad and was like I really want to hire this coach would you like support me and he he kind of thought it was he he, I think he still thinks um coaching's a pyramid scheme (laughs) it's it's pretty funny but um he he wasn't really open to Jack Canfield but he's and my stepmom, she she knows about the law of attraction and stuff. And her friend was an executive coach, um, and she offered to do a couple of free sessions with me, and then find help me find someone that would meet my dad's standards. Um, right. <laughs> but would you know? And so I ended up working with Jean, and then um, was introduced to Newfield Institute, which is ontological coaching. And so I I worked with a coach from there, and I fell in love with it Mm -hmm. I just I just was like this is what I wanted to do this is what has been missing for me I'd always I just always wanted to do something like that but I didn't know it was really a thing and this was uh gosh I don't know 2012 maybe um and so yeah then I started investigating and I found out there was another school in Australia called Newfield. Oh, it was Newfield Network in America, Newfield Institute in Australia. Um, and I decided that's what I wanted to do. And um, that they're, they're not, they're slightly different. Um, and ontology as well, the approach, this style of coaching, it's the interrelationship of your language, emotions and body and um, mm-hmm. how that can integrate a new way of being so it's, it's re- I really love it. it's really beautiful and I mm-hmm. finally got the the time and found my place a, a few years later and um, jumped into that coaching and I didn't know necessarily that I was going to do it as a career I wanted to but I also still was like developing my confidence and getting to that place where I was really ready mm-hmm. to um, and so I I just sort of studied it and then I found out I was pregnant towards the end of my training and mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to use ontology with my kids and that approach. And it was, I think it took me a while to realise that I could actually do it as a career and really jump into it as a career because I was still 
facing off with this self-acceptance journey and the stuff that was unfolding with my skin um, and who I was. So I think I had that deep yearning to do it as a career, but not the belief. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. So that, I think that's like such a cool thing to hear as well, because I think that's like in every part of our journey. And even when we're already in business, it's usually like our next levels call us, call us forward based on what we're like most excited about what we're experiencing and all of the things. So it's really cool to hear like how you figured out what you really want to do because I'm sure there's like listeners right now that are still getting clarity on like what they really, really want to do. And that's, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, and you know, I didn't have, I definitely didn't have the big picture. Like it was so one step at a time. And as I took one step, another thing would appear. It really Uh wasn't the whole, you know, I didn't have clarity at all. It Uh was, it was a slow little unfolding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that whole journey, this, this is kind of like where it really ties together, I think as well. Cause you're like saying, it's like, you're, you're figuring out these things, like you're investing in this for yourself. You're like figuring out your skin journey. Um, you're learning the self-acceptance. You're learning this like um, language, emotional body connection and then all of that self-acceptance is also part of the reason why it felt like you could give up um, or you could turn to sobriety and that kind of thing as well. Like, right, where those are related in your story as well, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's all all connected. Mm. And I feel like that's what's so beautiful because when we do really accept ourselves, it's like that's when we feel like, yes, we might still have fear of rejection. Yes, we might have fear that people aren't going to get it. Yes, we might have fears around all of these different things with whatever path we're on. But the truth is, is that when we like remind ourselves that it's about what we want to do and it's about that we're like validating ourselves, that's where like literally most of the things drop that would usually hold you back (laughs) Mm, totally Uh, yeah I so agree with everything you just said (laughs) so um enter your children (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so how old are your kids um my son is four and a half and my daughter is six months she just turned six months old yesterday actually so so a nice little range what's that like um you know, I'm really glad I, I waited. I, um, I had a big, like a bigger gap between them. I wasn't, it took me ages to even think. I mean, actually until I decided to get pregnant and I got pregnant really quickly, I was really blessed in that way with my daughter. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't, it couldn't even conceive the idea of getting, having another kid because I, I had postnatal depression initially and it was, um, really challenging for me having Mm -hmm. my first and he's he's a great kid I absolutely love him he's he's really Mm -hmm. like he's always been a really really easygoing chilled kind of kid and just gentle in nature now Mm -hmm. that he's four he's got a little more energy um he's quite spirited as well but he's a joy and um Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because he just started kindy, but now obviously with everything, he's at home. <laughs> right. So um, he's probably going a little bit stir crazy, but he's a delight. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 a, it's interesting with the age gap. Um, it's definitely a juggle. I take my hat off to 
all mums and and those with like lots of kids just wow I mean I find too challenging but rewarding and it's it's funny the dynamic like sometimes Koa is really loving to his sister and he's when he he's he loves her so much and just wants to cuddle her and kiss her and make sure she's okay and then he also has his moments where he really doesn't want to share his toys with her which is a normal (laughs) thing you know um but yeah it's it's great I really love the age gap because he's quite protective and loving towards her and it's really really sweet and she just absolutely is in awe of him she always wants to see what he's doing and so cute yeah that is so cute um and so in terms of um running a business you've you've basically been running a like or been starting to run your business ever since your first right yeah so um yeah I have I mean I took some breaks and I was to playing with some other stuff at the time as Mm -hmm. well um I I dabbled in network marketing for a while there and it just, um, it helped me actually. It really helped me with my postnatal depression because it gave me Mm -hmm. a purpose other than being a Mm -hmm. mum. But it wasn't my calling. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, my coaching, the same thing that it's just, it was a slow involvement. I, I did a lot of a lot of I was always studying and doing it and doing some conversations but not taking it really seriously at first and it just was helping me unfold my purpose as I was being a mum and yeah now I really juggle it's interesting because my partner has a business too Um, Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a real it's a real juggle but you know I've really learned to prioritize Mm. That's what I was going to ask is like, what are the keys to running, um, uh, running a business as a mum? Like in your experience, like where's been the beauty in it? Where's been the challenge? Like, what have you got to share with us on that? Let's dive into that topic a little bit more. Yeah. Um, well, so the challenge would definitely be time. Um, and this goes with my self-care and stuff too, because I was always, uh, give me two hours a day to do go within and that's what I love and crave and I do not get that now so um mm-hmm. my, I mean I'm really lucky I'm in a really supportive relationship so we really have really effective communication and we'll give each other time when we need it and we make make the request of each other and we get it so that's really been great and really helpful but yeah, there are definitely time challenges. So um, my partner's a photographer, so he spends a lot, a lot of time editing and it's mm-hmm. a time-consuming thing. Uh, so most of the business time is given to him. And I I mean, today I will be working most of the day and he will have the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not always like that. So I'm really... I really have to look at what's going to move the needle in my business and what activities are going to be, I guess you could say like the high paying activities or the activities that are really mm-hmm. going to make a difference in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I guess there are things that I've just let go of and, you know, I can't even think of things that I would have let go of because I just, I don't do them. Like for me, one of my biggest things that I spend time on is my podcast because it lights me up so much. I just, 
Right. I love it. It's so, you would know it's so much fun Mm -hmm. Uh, and I get to connect with so many amazing people. So um, I do a lot of stuff. One of, and it wasn't necessarily a conscious thing, but one of my highest values in my business that's really unfolded on its own and evolved on its own is connection. So a lot of the activities I do are about connecting with people. Um, and it's not just post posting like, on my social media and stuff. It's my podcast. I do interviews in my Facebook group. Um, I love getting to know people. So I spend a lot of my time doing that stuff. Right. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, I, I kind of have, I have my my coaching clients and my program. I have a program running right now, so the the rest of the time is devoted to that. Um, and yeah, I kind of I just have to. Some things I just can't do right now. I just don't have the time. I mean, I would love to redesign my website. It's pretty old and outdated now, but it's not a priority for me. So mm-hmm. that's sitting there waiting and, you know, eventually I'll, when I get around to looking at it, I'll probably hire someone to do it because, yeah. you know, I built my website using WordPress years ago <laughs> and <laughs> did it all myself and I'm so ready to outsource that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think outsourcing is a really big thing. I do most things myself. I don't edit my podcast myself. I'm right. really mm-hmm. um, blessed my partner does that for me because, Mm-hmm. He does video and he loves that stuff. So, um, but I'm, I keep my podcast really raw and unedited too. I just chuck the thing on at the start, the intro and the outro on and that's <laughs> it. So, and I don't do it. So that saves me a lot of time. I don't know. I can't conceive how I, I guess I'd get faster and faster when you edit, you get tend to get faster. So Mm -hmm. I would make it work, but yeah, that's not something that I do. So that saves me a lot of time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think like for anyone, like whether they're a mom or just like, you know, they work full time or they have like a lot of other priorities in their life. What I'm hearing is like, definitely like prioritizing what is the, like going to be the most impactful one impactful in terms of like, is actually going to bring in money (laughs) and Mm -hmm. two, um, what do you actually enjoy? Because, and I so agree with that because, um, I feel like when we're not lit up in our business, it's dangerous, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we really should feel good. And so I think always prioritizing things that make us feel good is important, both within our business, but within our life as well, actually, because I feel like we should be having a really nice life <laughs> alongside yeah, our business I as totally well. Agree. Um, yeah. And then the other thing you said that I thought was really great was like, kind of just like letting go of the stuff that you just cannot control right now um Mm. and I like kind of giggled to myself because you're just like you know a mom of two doing all these amazing things and you're like I haven't updated my website and I'm like sitting here have not updated my website in like well over a year yeah (laughs) and like "Mm, yeah I'm just not gonna (laughs) like I'm definitely not and it's it's so funny because it it, you know like I, I I put my um like my blog and my podcast on my website so the mm-hmm. episodes are all there yeah. so I mean I'm updating it in that way because yeah. true, I true. want it to be seen but I'm not you know I look at the format and I to be honest I cringe a little sometimes because it's <laughs> it's just 
and at the time I loved it. It was, I thought it was so cool and I was really excited about it. But now I've, I've, I've outgrown it and, yeah. but it's not a priority. It's really not. I, yeah. I don't get, um, I don't get traffic from my website as much. And, yeah. you know, people see me in, from other mediums and like social media and stuff. I think so that's the best thing yeah. about social media is like, I haven't updated my about page since I launched my website before I started my coaching business. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, right. So I like, my story is so different now if I were to rewrite my about page, but I just haven't really felt like it. And also because like you say, it's like people connect with you through other mediums. Like if someone follows me on social media, they're going to get like a, a more up-to-date feel of about me anyway. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. You know, that mm. people, people tend, to, I think people t- tend to watch you for ages as well, you know, on your social media. And so they'll get to know you and get to know what you're about. And what's written down there is, um, is not, it, it's not as important as seeing you every day, I think. Mm, yeah connecting with who you are and I mean there's still like I'm sure sure for people who like want to have a website and everything like there's still importance to it but I think the main message here really is like there's some like don't get hung up on the things that 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 you can't make a priority or that don't really need to be a priority yeah you know what I mean Mm. yeah yeah you know like I would love to have my website looking the way I want it to do that would be amazing but it's not a priority I've got two kids it's not a realistic thing for me right now yeah and it's um, not the make or break of your business either <laughs> no it's no it's definitely not so you know I'll get to it you can get to it when you want like down the track but just mm-hmm. focus on the other stuff because yeah yeah so okay so it's like finding the things that make you like feel best and are the most productive then letting go of the things that you can't really control and then outsourcing where you can as well is another big one, whether you have someone in your life that can be really super supportive and help you or whether you're hiring out. I know that was one of the best decisions I made as well was hiring a VA to help me with um, things like my podcast and everything as well. Um, But at the start, like I did all of my own editing with my podcast as well. And at the beginning for me though, I really loved it because it was kind of like one of the tasks in my business. You know, it made me feel like a real business person Um, versus when I was kind of getting, feeling like priority in other areas of my business. And I was more excited about other things. The editing side didn't light me up as well. It more was just like something I had to do. So that's when I knew personally for me, it was time to outsource because I don't want that to be an energy behind something. I'd rather hire someone who's excited to do the work. And then Mm. it's like good energy and vibes in all of the aspects of my business. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Um, Yeah. I definitely, um, I mean, I've just outsourced an editor because, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky I can do that, but, um, or blessed, I say I, um, but yeah, I haven't outsourced the other stuff yet, but that will, I definitely will do that at some point. I just, um, haven't, and like, you know, in terms of getting help with your kids, I really, I have a lot of family support. So that's amazing. That can, well, not right now, but generally they can um take the kids and that gives us some more time as well so Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah so making the most of the resources that are available to you as well as the other thing I guess Mm, yeah totally amazing well 
have you got any other tips for someone who might be juggling um, being a mom and running their business or um, even like the other side of it that I'm really, I mean, maybe we can, I can ask you this question first and then the second question next. But the other thing is like, especially for people who are maybe like struggling with some of the self-acceptance on their journey, I, I feel like it would be another fun thing to ask you about. So any last mm-hmm. tips for mama's juggling business? And then we'll move on to that question. Um, yeah. So self-care is everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I can, I cannot stress that enough you make time for you every single day and I understand how limiting limited time is it you know but just five minutes if you can even just make five minutes for yourself and it could be getting a cuppa sitting outside and mindfully having it by yourself Mm -hmm. do it it makes so much different it is being a mum is such a a challenging and rewarding thing and it mm-hmm. it changes your life so much um and self-care is everything it's i'm so passionate about it because it's so important and i i don't just mean like the practices i mean setting boundaries setting standards in your life mm, yeah and make you know learning to make really powerful requests that are effective and that will actually get shit done. Not, mm-hmm. not making a request to someone and leaving, letting it be vague, getting really clear and really specific um, and, and formulating it in a way that's effective. And that's something that I, I coach on a lot as well because it makes a difference. It, yep. will, it completely makes a difference to your well-being. It's so important. It's mm. Number one thing for me, I honestly believe it saved my life because I was really in a dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm really passionate about it. For I love that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Because also like for me, like I talk a lot about like energetic standards and boundaries and where we have energetic leaks. And what's so interesting is that um, we're always getting feedback from our life of like what's working, what's not. It's just that we sometimes forget that we have the power to shift it right? Mm. So it's like, for example, if you like have an interaction with someone and it didn't feel good, then it's like, sure, that can be just something like whatever, forget about it. But you can also ask yourself, like, what about it didn't feel good? Well, I didn't really feel like I was standing my power. Well, I felt like they were like, even though they might have not been intentionally doing it, I felt like they were taking advantage of my energy. Like I felt like I should have had a, a stronger stance there or a clear boundary or whatever. And then it's up to us to shift it from there. And I've got so many examples of this in my business. Like even when I first started the way that I framed what was included in my coaching, um, Mm -hmm. like I would be like, Oh, it's like, I can't remember the exact wording of what I said, but it was like, you know, I'd say like however much it was and however long it was. And then I noticed then when I was coaching, things were coming up that I was like, "Mm, this isn't really right. But then I would like realize that they probably had that expectation based on how I said it. It's just, I didn't realize at the time that I said it, that that's what the expectation would be. So then Mm -hmm. I changed how I worded what my, what's included in my coaching the next time around, you know, for the next time I offered it. And I changed how I did my first coaching sessions with people when I first started working with them based on the feedback I was getting from like my own personal feedback that I was receiving on how it felt coaching. And then that's how I really developed my coaching. It's not like I had it all figured out at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a really, really good point. Yeah. And, you know, um, as well, 
I don't, I mean, I think everyone can get into that comparison and people pleasing thing. Yeah. But in your, in your, like as a mama, like it can be easy to compare yourself to the people who were smashing it in their business. And then also to the mums that are smashing it as a mum and having everything, like having their organized perfect craft thing, you know, really. Yeah. And you can get into this people pleasing and this comparison and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you set yourself really clear standards, then all you have to measure up is to is your own standards and mm-hmm. get out of that people pleasing mode. So that can really be a really useful to help you feel like you're enough and really accept what you're doing as a mom, as a, and as a business person. Mm. I love this because you basically answered my other question, which was the self-acceptance thing. Um, But if there's anything else that you have, like any final words you have for people that are maybe working on like the really like the power of self-acceptance in their journey, if there's anything else you'd like to add, that would be awesome. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, some things that have really been powerful and that I I mean, I still work on them. I'm leaning into some some new edges all the time with yeah. self-acceptance. Um, but, you know, I did a lot of mirror work um, because I have a, like a, it was a, a physical thing. But even if I didn't, um, I mean, even if you don't, like mirror work's really powerful for self-acceptance. Um, mm-hmm. And then also self-forgiveness. So I did, I've done a lot of stuff around self-forgiveness and like Ho'oponopono and stuff because it's it's mm-hmm. freeing and it really it really has created shifts for me mm-hmm. with other people as well I've done forgiveness on other people um but self-acceptance is such such a journey and to me it's the foundation so I I, I often talk about self-acceptance over self-love because I feel self-acceptance is the foundation. It's the baseline. You can't get to self-love if you can't accept yourself first. Mm. So I think there is a really, a really big distinction. And for me, I really went from hating myself to having to go from that hatred to just accepting myself and not being like repulsed when I looked in the mirror. Yeah. So it was it was those small like incremental steps. Um, I, 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 I'm a big believer in little tiny steps, little tiny commitments to get big goals and get big yes. things in yes. your life. So I think the same, it's the same in self-love, you know, mm-hmm. you start with the little thing, you start with being able to look in the mirror and not cringing. Um, mm-hmm. And then you, then you just go to the next step, you know, it's, mm-hmm. It's little things and that's what what really worked for me. I agree. Like that's, I always talk about the magic of the small things because I really, really feel like it's so easy for us to look for what the big thing is we can do to shift and like, how can I feel better immediately and what can I change that will change everything? But it's usually the small, like going all in on the smallest things that really, really create the biggest shift. Totally. And you set yourself up for success when you mm-hmm. do the small things. I, I do everything in small steps and mm-hmm. bite-sized chunks. Um, it's just how Perfect. I approach life and it mm-hmm. it's, works for me. Amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for giving us an insight into your life and how you see the world and sharing your tips with the audience as well. Um, I would love to know 
where can people connect with you more? Like where are your favorite places? Like there's obviously a ton of links in the show notes, but if you're going to give people like the top <laughs> place to come connect with you, where would it be? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I, I go on Instagram a lot. So that is um, my handles, Marla loves M A L A. Um, and then also I have a Facebook group for women, which I hang out in a lot too. And I, I love to interview members in there. So that's really fun and a really good way to connect with me because we can chat Whoa. and stuff. Yeah. And what's your Facebook oh, group called? Oh yeah, it's called women, women rising together. Um, and I, it's women rising together now is the, the handle on Facebook. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Have a look for it join that connect with Mala if you've um, really enjoyed her story and as always um, we would love to hear your feedback so feel free to message either of us online on Instagram screenshot the episode upload it onto your story get in touch um, <laughs> say hello um, and I so appreciate your time in listening today and Mala thank you so much for sharing it's been thank great you. having you oh I'm so grateful I've loved it it's been so fun so thank you so much You're so welcome. All right, everyone. We'll catch you next week on the Abundant Babes podcast. Bye-bye.